1: Here is your
2: host, Derek Carey. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. As the front end told you, I'm your host, Derek Carey. And I want to say hi. It's been a while. I know. I kind of ditched you guys for a while. What happened? Well, I kind of explained to you on a previous episode that I may vanish here and there from hosting duties on this show. Um, I hope you've, you're you still subscribed to the feed. If you are still subscribed, then you have been listening to some great episodes of Film Jerks. The other podcast that I run, Mark the Movie Man, has kind of taken over for me uh, for a little bit there and has done a couple episodes. Now that podcast is going to live here on the Astro Radio Z feed. We're kind of temporarily calling it the Astro Radio Z network um, because not only do we have film jerks on here, we also have my good friend Corey J. Udler's podcast, The Stooge Cast, on this feed. We were tossing around some other podcast ideas. Um, One was going to be kiss crap. Because Corey Udler and myself are pretty big KISS fans, and we were going to bring in Blade Braxton. If you guys don't know who he is, he's an occasional uh, guest on Astro Radio Z back in the day, not of the new run. I've been trying to get him in, but that cat is tough to nail down. So maybe sometime we'll get him on, but KISS Crap is a Facebook page that we run that's exclusively dedicated to the weirdest kiss memorabilia you can find out there in the world we were thinking of bringing that over to the astro radio z network and having a dedicated show because when Corey and i and blade get together we talk endlessly about kiss and it's quite frequently some of the funniest stuff that i ever experienced and some of the best conversations i ever have because we are geeks plain and simple we've been kiss fans most of our lives and it's ridiculous how much you can talk about kiss most people would be like, I can talk about them for about two seconds and that's all they need. Well, <laughs> sorry. We like KISS quite a bit. So there may be a show coming up soon. Um, Corey and I actually, one of the many things that happened in the last month since I last talked to you was uh, Corey and I went and saw KISS at Alpine Valley here in Wisconsin with Def Leppard opening up for him. And we had an absolute freaking blast went with my brother dan and uh just had a good old time i mean kiss is still rocking it i was a little skeptical because if you know over the last few tours Paul Stanley's voice is starting to kind of taper off. Um, when you listen to some of the recordings on YouTube that people have been taking, and yes, they're on their phone, so of course they're not supposed to be amazing, and you're just getting, uh, you're using a bad Omni mic that is picking up everything, and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, those recordings made Paul sound awful, like his voice was blown, like it was just going to be a terrible, terrible experience. Well, let me squash that feeling because Kiss came out and fucking destroyed it. It was a great show. Def Leppard also killed it. Um, I'm a fan of all that stuff. So both of those bands came out and they killed it and it was an amazing show. Corey and I had a great time. Spent way too much fucking money at the merch table. It's ridiculous. When my wife found out how much money I spent, her head about exploded like an atom bomb coming out the top. But I got her and the girls all fucking some shirts. So they were it. they shut up pretty quick. Anyways so that was one of the things we did. Of course, we wrapped up the movie that we've been talking about forever here on Astro Radio Z, "Hole in the Wall," uh, me and a bunch of my fellow Wisconsin filmmakers, horror filmmakers, I should be, I should say, we wrapped up this anthology that we've been working on for about two years now. If you know me and you followed anything that I've done, uh, you know that Swamphead, the first film that uh, we put together through Rabbit Child Films, uh, my production head. Uh, took almost five and a half, six years, and I was involved with it probably three quarters of the way. Man, I, that's being a little too generous. Maybe about half of the time. Of that production because uh, the boys were shooting it on summers and um, whenever they could get people together, they could get the resources, blah, 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 blah. Well, anyways, I'm not gonna go into that. You know that we take our time, we try to do this right, we, um, you know, for better or worse, it kind of consumes us for a while. And Hole in the Wall was no different. It's gone through a lot of different variations. My shorts alone went through about three different changes before they finally were shot. And then uh, cut the gestational period on this film in the production period and post-production period. has just been a long, arduous process, but it's done. Finally, I have a film in front of me. I've seen it. Other people have seen it. It's finally going to get out there. So I thank you for your patience. Here on Astro Radio Z While I've been gone Trying to finish up this movie Because first and foremost While I do enjoy coming and talking to you guys About horror films Of course about witchcraft Why wouldn't we want to talk about witchcraft For a fucking six months <laughs> I love coming and doing this show And talking to all my friends that come on here I have a great time But first and foremost I want to make movies for you guys I like making movies. It's super fun. It's my passion. So every now and then, if I do kind of skedaddle, don't leave. Don't leave me. Keep me on your iTunes feed. Keep me on your Spreaker, which is the place where we're at now. Um, Keep me on your downcast. Keep me on whatever app that you use to listen to podcasts and all that jazz. Keep Astro Radio Z there, because honestly, Astro Radio Z is not going to go away. It's going to be one of these things that come and go, ebb and flow, dictated on what my schedule is like. So if you enjoy this show, stick with me. I'll always be here. So saying that, with no further ado, let's go into the show proper, shall we? So lately, there's been this big, huge fucking ordeal going on on Facebook and on social media with all these goddamn challenges. Ice bucket challenge, my butt fart challenge, I I just made that one up. But it just seems like every other week, there's some new meme or some new bullshit that try and tie you in and and make you pass bullshit along to your friends in order to (laughs) keep you interested and keep, you know your hand on the little food dial, as if you were a rat, getting your food pellets to social media and to your computer and to your technology. Well, this show is gonna be about one of these said memes because occasionally I'll get roped into these things and because of what I do and who I am, uh, a lot of people send me film memes. Now, I got about four or five requests for this one particular meme. And because I was, I just get bored with typing sometimes, I decided, you know what, let's just do a show about this. I was planning on doing a one-off show because honestly, my schedule doesn't really help out trying to get the crew together to do something about this. And this is more of a me kind of thing anyway. So the show today is about one of these memes, Mark the Movie Man, as you well know, he's my right-hand man here on Astro Radio Z. Um, He sent me the last one. I finally caved in and said, okay. I'll do this meme, and what the meme is is 15 films that have stuck with you or will stick with you for the rest of your life. Let's do this for Mark, uh, for Sir Stoney from back in the bloody disgusting days. He sent, sent me a request for this. Robert Poole of IndieHorror.tv, he sent me a request for this, and I'm sure there was a few more, and if I miss your miss your name, I'm sorry. It's not intentional. I just, you know, booze and drugs through the years have whittled my brain into Swiss cheese, so please bear with me. So, the 15 films that have stuck with me my entire life, or will stick with me my entire life, kind of also tie into Hole in the Wall, the film that we just got, on, got done making, because inevitably everything that I do kind of ties into the things that I have consumed. Now, the first film I'm going to talk about is, bar none, it may be, it's hard for me to ever say that I have one favorite film because my taste change as I get older, as I think everyone's does and should. So when I hear people go, oh, this is the number one movie of all time. This is my favorite thing ever. And it never changes. Kind of tells me that you're not experiencing things. You're not allowing yourself to experience new things. So for a good long while, the number one, f- film that I'm going to talk about right now and these aren't in order of importance these are just the order on my list that I have for you has always been synonymous with me with creativity um, thinking outside of the box and just inspiring to me as a, a piece of art and that would be George Romero's Martin
3: my name is Martin I'm 84 years old people think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. But I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. You see, people don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. <laughs> realize that those things I see in the movies are not real. I don't have a whole lot of women. It's nice to watch them. I watch them a lot, all the time. I have to, to be sure that nothing goes wrong. I follow them. I plan. I'm very careful. I have needles now. I can use them. I can put them to sleep. Doesn't hurt.
1: Martin, another kind of terror.
2: Martin is a story of what appears to be a uh, early twenties, late teens male that uh, whose name is Martin, who's going to live with his uncle in a run-down mining town in uh, Pennsylvania uh, because his family's kind of kicked him out. There's been some weird kind of mutterings of him possibly being a vampire. And uh, the film opens up with this amazing cat and mouse stalk sequence. Now, this opening sequence is very significant to me on many levels. And um, I first heard about Martin through the documentary that was made for george romero's movie dawn of the dead it was called document of the dead and on that documentary they go through george romero's editorial style now george romero edits almost all of his films or at least in that era he did and um so they showed him of course cutting little snippets of film and putting it together. And uh, they, they sat and talked about his style and about all the coverage that he shot, and how he put together this huge amount of footage into this one sequence because he shot so much stuff, so many different angles, so many different takes to try and put together this really tense, um, very little dialogue, just all action, just m- this character Martin trying to to um stalk and kill this uh female on a train and it is an amazing scene it sets the movie up perfectly you don't you kind of get what's gonna you think he's a serial killer it is isn't until later until his uncle starts calling him nosferatu that you (laughs) you get the hint that okay well this is actually a vampire movie. Is this guy real? Is he really a vampire? Is he really 82 years old? Is he really need the blood? Or is he just a twisted kind of serial killer? And um, he's been hounded his entire life, and this has been pounded into him, that this is what he is and what he needs to be. He, um, I think the film is just absolutely amazing. And that opening sequence And the documentary that got me into this is essentially what got me into wanting to be an editor. Um, It got me interested in it. It it, it was the first exposure I ever had to the idea that somebody actually sat back and put this stuff together for all these movies. Because I think a lot of people kind of take for granted. They think, okay, you go out there and shoot a movie and there it is. And they don't really think, because I encounter this all the time, because I am an editor professionally, I I, I encounter people that don't know what I do, I don't know what that means. It, it happens constantly, where I have to explain what my job is. And they're like, oh, people actually do that? Because I think a lot of people think you just start a camera, and there it is, there's your movie, you got it. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Document of the Dead, the section on Martin, is what sparked the interest for me to become an editor a film editor and a video editor and the film itself martin is kind of a film because it's so unorthodox it's a a vampire movie done in such a strange way and from such a different perspective it's the kind of movie that i would love at some point to make it's it's one of these movies that i think a lot of people um don't look at in George Romero's filmography because he has so many other really great films. And of course, his zombie films trump everything in the mass cultural eye. But if it was up to me, and I love those movies, don't get me wrong. I've watched Night of the Living Dead probably more than any other film on the face of the planet. But don't don't get me wrong. Martin. Is the is his masterpiece. I think you, if you're a fan of George Romero's other movies and you haven't seen Martin, do so now. Go get it. Um, It's on DVD. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Um, I used to have a VHS copy of it, and it kills me. It fucking kills me that I sold that thing. It's uh, one of the best poster arts that I've ever seen. It's a razor blade with teeth and one blood drop coming down. It's fucking amazing. So anyways... Martin by Jorge A. Romero is my number 1 film on the 15 films that stuck with me or will stick with me for the rest of my life. It's one of my favorite films, it may be my favorite film. I I can't ever say that as I said before. So, let's move on to number 2. Number 2, I'm uh, some of these picks that I'm going to put down are going to be combination picks because I believe some films kind of tie into one another and they kind of have the same impact and when I think of them I think of them together I don't really think of them as separate entities and the next pick in particular very much so is Evil Dead 1 and 2. Evil Dead 1 and 2 shit I'm a horror fan are you a horror fan? I'm pretty sure you're a horror fan if you're listening to Astro Radio C. And if you are a horror fan, of course you fucking love Evil Dead 1 and 2. Do I really need to go on and expound on the fact that it's probably two? they are probably two of the greatest horror films ever made? Nah, I don't really need to. Let's just say that these two movies influenced me from a visual and editorial standpoint profoundly. To the point where... <laughs> On, on like hold of the wall on the set of, uh, Plainfield Chopper, um, all I would just have to say to my DP uh, Justin Prop, who's who's the co-writer and co-director of Swamphead, he was my DP on the plane, Plainfield Chopper. I just have to say, hey, I want a snap zoom, rainy style. Let's do this, Evil Dead. This, that happened frequently, and my good friend and director John Pata, who did my, uh who did my visual effects on Plainfield Chopper would just shake his head. <laughs> the Evil Dead 1 and 2 had, have such an overreaching influence on everything that is horror today. To not put it on a, a films that stuck with me list is just, it's it can't happen. There's no way it can't happen. They are two of my favorite films. First time I ever saw, I saw Evil Dead 2 first before I ever saw Evil Dead 1. Um, I, my... My memory, and I'll just I'll, tr- I'll try not to go on as long as I did with Martin uh, with this one, but I'll just tell a little story for each of these. Evil Dead Two. First time I saw it, every summer I used to go away uh, with my brother to to stay with my grandparents for a week or so, and uh, they had cable. We never had cable until later. We had one of those huge fucking satellite dishes that are, that are pretty much gone now because satellite dishes are basically the size of your chest. They're not very big, Um, but back then used to have humongous dishes that had to turn and it took forever to reach the different satellites. But anyways, we didn't get that until later. And when I was younger, I want to say I was probably shit. I I bet you it was around junior high school. No, it had to be earlier than that. Um, We my brother and I caught Evil Dead 2 on uh, cable. On I believe either HBO or Cinemax late night we we taped it and dubbed it on a VHS tape and uh, it fucking blew our minds we we were hooked forever from that point we wore that fucking tape out and then eventually I saw Evil Dead and I ended up for a while there really thinking that was the superior film but over time I've watched Evil Dead two way more than I've ever watched Evil Dead 1. I love them both, and honestly, they're kind of remakes. Like, Evil Dead 2 is just an update on Evil Dead 1. While it can be said that it is an extension and an offshoot and a, and an actual legitimate sequel, if you wanted to go in and nitpick where that happens within the films, I don't care. They're basically remakes of each other. They're the same film. That's why I put them together on this list, is that they both you could put either or in and you're kind of getting the same experience. Just Evil Dead 2 is a little more gonzo. That's all. So Evil Dead 1 and 2 is number two on the list of the 15 films that stuck with me. Number three, I'm going to jump out of the horror genre a little bit because any good list like this should really be (laughs) well-rounded. Now you're starting to think, hey, is he going to get pretentious and and start talking about art films and start talking about dramas and, you no, 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 no. I'm going to talk about fucking Bloodsport with goddamn Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's number three on my goddamn list. down my favorite karate film ever fucking made endlessly watchable i love of course i love enter the dragon and i love all that shit but blood sport i have watched more than any other fight film ever made it's there's something about maybe it was because of the era that i grew up in uh that blood sport was constantly on usa network tbs um it was in the video stores it was on cables on hbo the movie channel blah 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 it was on All the fucking time, and I loved Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, His performance, his delivery is so awkward, yet he, you know, he can do the splits, and he just, he's very charismatic, and the the vast array of fighters that are in it are very interesting and goofy and entertaining. Um, To me, it's just, such a lot of dumb fun that it's hard not to you know just every time that it's on just sit and go yeah this is exactly what i'm gonna do and uh, if you see any of our movies you can see the same goofy spirit in all of them <laughs> because Bloodsport is one of those movies where um i was in a band back in the 2000s, called The Suspirios. You've heard them many times if you've listened to my show, Astro Radio Z. They have been bumper music. You may not have been aware of it, but they're there. Go back and listen. Uh, or just go on the internet and find The Suspirios, and you'll find our probably our album, uh, Mummy Mustache Ride, which has a ton of different so I could go into a big story about, about them, but I'm not going to. Uh, the guitarist and singer of that band, John Hanusa, and I... Uh, we would sit every time we'd get together and have beers it would eventually devolve as we devolved per the alcohol you know consumption uh devolve into us endlessly quoting bloodsport we that was like a major bonding thing is we both love fucking bloodsport and we've watched it so many times so uh 15 films number 3 is bloodsport uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme just kicking everyone's fucking ass and a uh, lot of a lot of great stuff I uh, honestly one of the goofiest fucking action movies of all time and one of my favorites if not my favorite so let's move on and you know what I was just complaining about art films booyah of course I'm going to contradict myself I always do so number four on this list is going to be begotten
0: A spectacular one of a kind, a seductive mystery, a Rorschach test for the adventurous eye. A remarkable achievement which draws together the stories of epic literature the boundaries of poetry and experimental film, and breaks all molds, furnishing celluloid with new possibilities. Wordlessly recalls the spirit of Samuel Beckett's darkest parables. Visions of suffering give way to equally impassioned images of rebirth. A metaphysical splatter film, there is no denying marriage's vision or his conviction. Startling, grotesque, and revolutionary. Points of floodlight in those places we choose not to look. Brilliant, unbearable, and unforgettable. An extraordinarily original accomplishment. makes Eraserhead seem like Ernest Saves Christmas. A triumph of lyrical grotesquerie. You will not forget it. No name. No dialogue. No compromise. Nobody will get through Begotten without being marked.
2: Begotten from 1990 is a black and white silent film from uh, the director of Shadow of the Vampire. Now, if you don't know what Shadow of the Vampire is... You should go check that one out as well, which is kind of a biopic of uh, the people that made the original Nosferatu and positing the idea that maybe the guy who played Nosferatu was actually a vampire. Go check it out. That's a pretty cool little movie. But Begotten is one of these films from the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, that um, really pushed me into loving underground film and experimental film um, because it's so out of the ordinary it's so unique it's it, it it looks like a film that was forgotten for many many years like it was filmed and then the print went bad and it, it, it is something that's like this relic that has been presented to you to watch and, um, experience more than enjoy. Um, it, it's hard to explain what this film is. It's, it's, it's a tapestry of blood of, of, um, very odd soundscapes. I think the soundscape is very reminiscent of, uh, David Lynch's Eraserhead, with a lot of droning and a lot of nature sounds. And, um, it's kind of supposedly the story of uh, Jesus being born and then wa- uh, these nomads uh, pick him up and then drag him across this apocalyptic landscape and it, whatever. The story doesn't really fucking matter. It's more of an audiovisual experience. Um and an exercise and style. Uh, the black and white is this hard contrast, black and white, wh- that renders the shapes and images to like silhouettes. And it, it's like you're looking at a painting the entire film. Uh, it, it's disturbing. It's odd. It's extremely graphic. Um, but ultimately, it just, it, it kind of, gets into your skin and into your psyche, and um, if you are into this kind of stuff, please watch it. It inspires me constantly. I've wanted to for years upon years upon years to make a film in the style of this, and um, in Hole in the Wall, I did two shorts. I did one called A Plainfield Chopper, and I did another one that we just renamed um, Our Song is My Blade, which is kind of like a prequel to... The, uh, the wraparound, which is the, the Plainfield Chopper. And I wanted to do it in the style of begotten, hard contrast, black and white, where images where you had to take a minute to sit and look at that image and, and have it kind of become clear to you. Some images may be a little abstract. They may look more like it may take time for you to figure it out, but by that time we've moved on to something else and it just it makes you have to rewatch it a few times and um it stays with you. Uh I've always wanted to do a film like Begotten and we tried sort of there I I think you have to really decide to go out of your way to make a film like begotten because supposedly its look was derived from multiple um color passes and treatments with the with the film stock uh to get this where now I can just go in and post and and uh you know desaturate everything because I did shoot it in color and then uh mess with you know the image enough to get to that point um but Begotten is a nightmare of a film. If you haven't seen it, check it out. The opening scene alone, I believe it's on uh, YouTube, so you can go and check it out there. But if you can get a good copy, because there's a great DVD that's out there, um, I would recommend going and getting a DVD of it. But it is on YouTube. Go check it out. At least the first scene alone where um, <laughs> there is this creature in this farmhouse Um with a razor blade what looks like the cutting their guts open uh they're in this this corner if you look at the the poster for begotten it's just a wall covered in blood in this weird like leather face type creature on the cover um it this first scene is so disgusting and so disturbing and uh, the the sounds are like the whimperings of a cr- of an animal, and it, it, it just oh, it, it is fucking haunting. You need to see this movie if you're into really strange underground experimental horror films. If you're not into art house horror, skip it altogether. But if you're into films that take you to places that you're not sure you want to go to, um, if you're into that kind of stuff. Begotten is one that should be on your radar. Um, I'm not I'm sure that just sounded like a bunch of fucking rambling uh, because it's hard for me to describe what this movie is. It, it really is not it doesn't have a logical plot. It's a movie you experience more than you internalize and you know turn your mind off to. It forces you to have to sit and piece together what it is. Um, Begotten number 4 on my list. Now let's sit And completely (laughs) do a 180 to uh, a film that you literally or a pair of films that you literally turn your brains off to. And uh, number five is another one of these, you know, two furs of movies that I think go hand in hand, at least for me. And that would be Gremlins and Ghoulies. Uh, I've talked about Ghoulies in the past on Astro Radio Z, and if you want to hear me go on and on and on about Ghoulies, go back to, I believe it is the 31 Days of Horror episode from last year, and you'll hear about me, or was it Good Bad Films? It was bad movie culture. That was what it was. Is uh, that episode? So go back to that episode. Check it out. It's at the tail end of the episode where we give our some of our favorite uh, bad movies, and Ghoulies will be on there. But Gremlins and Ghoulies are two movies that, when I was very young, kind of changed me from being, you know, a kid that liked watching, you know, kid stuff to wanting to watch a little harder kids stuff. Um, Gremlins, obviously, we all know is the movie is one of the movies. A lot of people attribute it to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and some people attribute it to Gremlins, the movies that created the PG-13 rating. Gremlins is a comedy, uh, a Christmas comedy, but underneath it, is actually a horror film about little creatures that are looking to kill and destroy an entire small town. Um, Amazing movie. I don't don't really need to go on and on about Gremlins. I mean, everybody's fucking watched it. Um, So, Gremlins, I saw it in the movie theater. Uh, When it came out, there was a marketing blitz with toys and it was all over, you know, magazines and and on TV and blah, 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 blah. Um, So... I became obsessed with it. I also love part two. I finally showed both of them to my daughters, and they love part two. Part one is more of the horror film. Now, it's still really fun. It's still lighthearted. It just, at points, gets very hard, and I think it, it shows more that Joe Dante originally wanted to make a horror film. And, um... I think it, it his teaming with Amblin and, you know, Spielberg, they, they wanted to market a more fun film. And so gremlins, you know, I went and saw it when I was a little kid, little tiny guy. Um, so obviously it worked, became an absolute cultural phenomenon. Um, so gremlins obviously is a movie I've watched over the years, many, 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 many times. And, um, will continue to. I've obviously passed it on to my kids. It's going to live on regards of the fact if they decide to make some you know, half-assed remake of it, which I hope they don't. They don't really need to. They will, so I shouldn't really complain about it, but they don't really need to. And Ghoulies, same thing. Ghoulies is the offshoot of Gremlins, but done in a very satanic way. It's a Charles Band movie, blah, 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 blah. Go back, listen to the other episode, and you'll hear me go on about how much I love Ghoulies, probably my favorite B-film of all time. Um, I know I said Martin was probably my favorite, but I don't consider Martin a B-film. It's hard. Ah, I don't want to get into that argument. Anyways, Ghoulies, love it. Gremlins, they're basically the same kind of idea, you know, idea. Little monsters on the loose killing the stuff. Ghoulies is more about, you know, Satan worship and gremlins is more about you know a monster on the loose film so ghoulies gremlins number five number six is my favorite slasher film of all time of course there's gonna be a lot of horror films on this list Derek, why so many horror films well because i like horror films so that's what's gonna be on here um friday the 13th part six jason lives is my outright favorite slasher film ever made um there are two slasher films that I remember as a child that that shaped me into wanting to watch harder stuff. Uh Halloween 2 and Friday the 13th Part 6. Now, I saw Friday the 13th Part 2 before I ever saw Part 6. Um but I didn't really get, I wasn't really firmly into horror films until I saw Part 6 and I had it on tape and I watched it over and 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 over, and over again. Um, it is, it is fun. My problem with a lot of slasher films and why it's probably my least favorite genre of all horror is slasher is that they're boring. They're kind of the same thing over and over and over again. If you've seen Halloween, you've seen fucking everything else. The only difference is everything else just gets sleazier. So if that's your bag, I mean, I'm not getting down on people that love slasher films. Good, I'm glad. I'm glad you like movies. That's all. I don't fucking care, but I'm just coming from my perspective. I just... Slasher films don't really do it for me on, on a whole. Um, but Friday the 13th Part 6 is a parody of slasher films. I know a lot of people don't like parodies of anything. Um, but Friday the 13th Part 6 is fun. It's silly. It's silly it's pacing it, it's through the it's constantly moving there's constantly people dying there's there's things happening there's there's goofy dialogue um Jason's just he's, he's just a one man wrecking crew just ploughing through anything that comes before him and um honestly if you're going to watch a slasher film and you want something especially on those Friday the 13th that are now becoming like this new holiday where every time on facebook if it's friday the 13th all you're gonna see is friday the 13th images of jason and shit all over it um if you need that one friday the 13th movie to watch don't listen to everyone else put on part six and you'll have the time of your life it is my favorite slasher film of all time bar none so we'll do one more film before we take a short break and the last one in this section of the, the show is going to be number seven, my favorite horror film of all time. And I know I said Martin's probably one of my favorite films of all time. But my favorite horror film, oh God, I'm so, I contradict myself constantly. What does it matter? But anyways, my favorite horror film of all time is the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened was true.
1: The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America.
2: (laughs) Stop! (laughs)
1: Stop! This is the movie that is just as real... Just as close. Just Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives, what will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start
2: talking about it. Don't really need to go on and on about it it it's cinema verite style you know sucks you in feels like re- everything feels real everything f- you you no matter how many times i've seen this movie i'm creeped out by it i get sucked into it the the audio the visual the the performances it just feels genuine unlike the remake that feels like a glossy fucking mtv bullshit music video the original texas chainsaw massacre if you even want to talk to me about horror movies you better have watched this movie because if you didn't then our conversation's over texas chainsaw massacre greatest horror film of all time i will i watch it at least once or twice every year and will until i die plain and simple my my film the plainfield chopper texas chainsaw massacre runs all through it as a horror film What movie doesn't nowadays? It basically changed, like, Night of the Living Dead changed horror, Texas Chainsaw Massacre changed it astronomically amazing film so before we go on to the rest of the list let's take a short little break and uh, i'm gonna play you some music from a band from madison wisconsin that's in our new movie hole in the wall casket robbery this is a single they put out last year called bloodbathery hope you guys dig it if you like it please go to their Bandcamp page purchase it buy more of their music it's fucking awesome casket robbery i'll see you after the break Let's <laughs> go. So if you've listened to a single episode of Astro Radio Z, you know that the next film or films on this list are no surprise to you. Number eight on the list of the 15 films that have stuck with me are John Waters, Pink Flamingos, and Cry Baby.
1: She and I,
2: the these two movies i've watched a ton of times i constantly revisit them and every time i watch them i have a huge smile on my face pink flamingos it's blatant disregard for decency it's big huge middle finger to you the audience you're either gonna jump in and ride with them and have a great time or you're just going to puke and, and start screaming about how you're offended and blah, 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 is what I call a perfect underground midnight movie. Pink Flamingos, Divine, Amazing Mink Stole. I mean, just the entire Dreamland cast and John Waters' sensibility with the great, you know, 50s garage beatnik music that he's... He didn't really steal. He just played it without getting any of the rights. That's why it's been so tough to get a legitimate release of this and some of the old films. I believe... What is the one film that hasn't been officially released because of this reason? I think it's Multiple Maniacs. Um, But I know he had had trouble with Pink Flamingos for a while for this reason. But uh, great music. It, it, it go, You never know where the movie's going to go because it's just like a cavalcade of obscenity the entire time, um, but it gleefully does so in typical John Waters fashion. If you come to love him through Hairspray and through Polyester and, and Pecker and blah, 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 Pink Flamingos has the joy that those other films have. It just goes places those films would never dream of going. If you claim that you're a fan of underground cinema and you haven't watched Pink Flamingos, you gotta do that as well. Do it right now. It's one of the greatest movies ever made. Um Yeah. Cry Baby, I think because I, I guess this is more of the John Waters pick. John Waters will stick with me for the rest of my life because he's a tremendously huge influence on me and and what I've done with the movies that we've made, especially Hole in the Wall, the new one. It has a very, it very much has the same kind of fuck you spirit that Pink Flamingos and Mondo Trash Show and Female Trouble and all the early Desperate Living, all the early John Waters films had in spades. And Crybaby was done after that point where he decided. The new subversive was to be the mainstream. Uh, Crybaby, the musical with Johnny Depp as the rockabilly, uh, del- juvenile delinquent, uh, wooing the square girl uh, is an endlessly fun film as well. Uh, Tongue in cheek homage to that bygone era of the 50s and 60s. And um, Tracy Lord's in it. uh Ricky Lake, Iggy Pop. There is just a ton of cameos, a ton of uh, great performances. Spirit, a smile on your face. It's it's upbeat. Um it's constantly moving and it's just an overall amazingly fun film. If we're going to pick the two movies out of his catalog that you should go check out that have stuck with me that I've watched the most, Pre-mainstream would be Pink Flamingos, by far. I love all the movies. I love Desperate Living quite a bit. It's a really goofy-ass fucking movie. But the movie that will always be in my collection I'll always watch over and over again is Pink Flamingos, bar none. And then after that, once he hit the mainstream, after Polyester, when he did Hairspray and Beyond... Cry Baby is his other movie that I think. uh, These are the two movies. When I think of John Waters, these are the two movies that come to mind. These are the two movies that I watch and I'll continue to watch forever. Think Flamingos? Cry Baby. So let's move on. Number nine on the list is Rocky. Rocky Balboa, the original Rocky, Sylvester Stallone. Every time it's on, if it's on TV, um, I will watch it. I don't care where it's at. I'll start watching it. I'll watch it all the way through. I think Sylvester Stallone's performance is amazing. I think the script is dead on. I you know, it, it it takes the paradigm of, you know, the hero's journey and turns it on its ear and doesn't allow the, the the hero to win, but he wins in an unconventional way. He wins a personal spiritual battle in that film. And I think everyone in that film knocks it out of the park. I mean, it hands down is one of my favorite dramas and yeah, it's Rocky and later it would become this action movie series, but at its core, Rocky is a drama. Rocky is not an action film. It's about a down on his luck fighter who, who finds it in himself after he's been given the shot at the title to uh, persevere and go for it. And even though he doesn't win in the end, he, he actually did it and he made it he made it all the way through the fight. So honestly, if that spoiled it for you, I'm sorry. Rocky's been out since the 70s. <laughs> sorry, I guess spoiler alert. Uh, Rocky is one of my favorite movies. I I will watch it always and I have the box set and uh, just talking about it now makes me want to go turd <laughs> I'm a big fan of of the 80s action stars in uh this movie, I think, is, f- for my buck, Sylvester Stallone's greatest movie. This, this is his best. Rocky. You need to see this one. Number 10, if we're going to do another 70s movie, let's go to exploitation, folks. I noticed that the
3: warden told you that you'd be alone. But, Might, you ain't never been alone. When you were doing your time, I put your girls through karate school. And they are good, too. I remember one time a trick came in here and tried to misuse us.
1: What happened to my hundred dollars, Joe? Nigga, did you take my
3: money?
1: (laughs) That's right, little bitch. I took it back. You ain't worth no hundred dollars. I am Joe Blow, the lover man. You should be paying me, bitch. Give me my money, man. Shit, what money? Shit, I get cut like you all day, a dime a dozen. Shit. Here, here's two dollars. Go get you some dish powder and keep it clean for me next time. And he whipped his ass.
3: He's in the hospital yet with his ASN and slang.
2: Dolomite. I have watched Dolomite so many goddamn fucking times when I was in college. I, I had the box set of the Rudy Ray Moore movies with all of them. You know, Human Tornado, Petey Wheatstraw, Disco Godfather, Rude, blah, 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 blah. All those movies. Dolomite, though, bar none, is nothing but a one-liner fest. Rudy Ray Moore is a goofball. He, he, he's the most unorthodox hero, kung fu, jive-talking uh, ass-kicker, just constantly spinning out one liners uh the editing is is horrible there's more sightings of a boom mic than any other film i've ever seen it becomes its own character um the side characters are hilarious there's so many good lines in this film uh if you like black exploitation and you want to know where a lot of urban where a lot of urban comedies came from you need to watch dolomite It is the godfather of them all. There's so much of this movie that got co-opted into other movies. It's ridiculous. It it literally should be on your radar. If you like urban comedies and you just like having a good time, Dolomite, oh, especially if you like low-budget hijinks. I mean, Dolomite is an insanely fun time. You need to watch this movie. So, number 10 is Dolomite. Number 11... I kind of toiled around about this one because one director that I always go back to is somebody that every time I see a movie of theirs, it inspires me to get creative again is David Lynch. And while my first film I ever saw of his was Eraserhead, his movie Mulholland Drive really stuck a knife into me and stayed with me ever since it came out. My wife and I went and saw it at the movie theater when we were living on the West Coast and that movie haunted me for days. And um, when I bought it on DVD subsequently, I've watched it many, many times. The club silencio scene is one of the greatest scenes in all of cinema in my mind. Very haunting. But it's also goofy in, in, in parts. So it kind of epitomizes a lot of what I like about movies is movies that make you think, that, that make you feel. And also that that entertain you. I think those are three things that every movie should strive to go for. They don't need to. Obviously, I just talked about Dolomite, for Christ's sake. That ab- absolutely, it makes you feel hilarity. So I guess, you know, it succeeds there. But, but Mulholland Drive is surreal. It's dark. It's typical Lynch. Like when you talk to people and they talk about, well... Lynch, it's just goofy, surreal, stupid bullshit for the sake of it. It's pretentious art. Um, Whatever. I don't give a fuck if you think that. Uh, David Lynch, to me, is one of the top five... Directors that ever lived. I, I love almost all of his movies. There's only a couple that don't really do it for me, and I'm not going to sit and voice that here. Um, but Mulholland Drive, which originally was slated to be a television series, got scrapped. He took most of the footage that he had shot for the, the pilot and then filmed a wrap-up. It's amazing how it turned out. It's It's like a labyrinth of uh, ideas and feels and I I love that movie Every time I watch it It will will be something that I always put in That and Eraserhead Are two of his movies that I constantly watch I love them, really good stuff So let's move on To another goofy set of films My number 12 pick Is another twofer um, Just because when I think of one I kind of think of the other So these two films are The Kentucky Fried Movie And UHF
1: Never before in the history of motion pictures has there been a screen presence so commanding, so powerful, so deadly. He's Conan the Librarian.
0: Can you tell me where I can find a book on astronomy?
1: Don't you know that Dewey Decimal System? Conan the Librarian.
3: I'm sorry. books are a little overdue
0: (laughs) Conan the Librarian
1: tonight only
0: on U62
2: UHF obviously most people my age they know what that is you know Weird Al Yankovic sketch comedy mashup comedy you know, it's just the most ridiculous fucking movie you ever watch. They finally did a porno uh, parody of it lately, and now with uh, you know Weird Al's new album out and the public eye, and it's been number one and and all this jazz. UHF is like all of a sudden you know coming back, and now everyone's heralding it as this amazing movie. But when it came out, it was lauded. People, most of the critical audience hated that movie. I saw it with my brother, my uncle, at a movie theater in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, uh, when I was young, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. I needed it. I, when it came on cable, I watched it every opportunity I could. Um, it is a hilarious, gonzo, out-of-left-field film, just like his music. You liked his music from back in the day. You had you know Weird Al in, in 3D, and you had Dare to be Stupid and all of that stuff and Polka Party, UHF is like a perfect embodiment of his music. It's just fucking gonzo. And the Kentucky Fried movie, without the Kentucky Fried movie, UHF would never be here. Kentucky Fried movie is literally, what if you were to take Saturday Night Live, make it extremely dirty, (laughs) <laughs> and, and have it be like if you, somebody was controlling what you were watching, um, sitting on a couch with a remote control. So it's basically like you're watching TV and someone's flipping the channel.
3: I remember the day the girls came over for Bridge Club. I was so embarrassed because of lingering odors. Fish for dinner last night? Phew, Harvey's still smoking the cigars? Christ, did a cow shit in here?
2: I love it. It's I believe it's the first film that the Zucker Brothers did. Um, if you you know who they are, obviously they went on to do Airplane, and they did, uh, you know, the Naked Gun films and so many other comedies, but uh, the Kentucky Fried movie. Is just and you never know where it's going. It, it sometimes it's parody. There's a there's a huge send up of Enter the Dragon in the middle of it. Um, Catholic schoolgirls in trouble with girls with their their huge beautiful breasts bouncing against glass, uh, <laughs> and it's just constantly changing into something more and more hilarious the entire runtime. Um, so if you're looking for you know, it, it, for my buck the best gonzo comedies, you know, surreal sketch type comedies. Um, Kentucky Fried Movie and UHF are those two films for me. They're basically the same film, same kind of film. And if you wanted a threefer, you wanted one more, check out Brain Candy. Love that movie too. Um, But that'll be my number 12 pick. Number 13 pick kind of has some relevance this year with the new Dawn of the Planet of the Apes that just came out, but Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is a movie that out of all of the Apes films is the movie I always go back to. And inevitably, I end up watching the entire series all over again once I put it in. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is number four of five Planet of the Apes movies in the original series. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is where there's an ape uprising because apes are used as pets for humans because all dogs and cats have died so now there's one ape that can talk leads a rebellion against the humans spurs into motion the planet of the apes that is the movie um if you get the new uh collection out that just came out because of the dawn of the planet of the apes that came out the legacy collection it's a box set with all five it's blu-ray box set of all five movies it has The previously unseen to me, uncut version of Conquest of the Planet Apes. Now, this is significant for one huge reason. Now, if you don't like spoilers, fast forward for about five minutes or so, or at least a couple minutes. um, Because fans of the Conquest of the Planet Apes or Planet Apes that don't know about this, you need to know about this. Because you need to go pick up this set. It's only 20 bucks five movies on blu-ray five of the greatest movies ever made you need to go get this so spoilers go for it fast forward um the ending of this movie the original ending is kind of optimistic it's kind of like caesar kind of has like a change of heart where he doesn't want to you know lead this re- uh, rebellion and wants to work with the humans at the end in the unrated cut he says, fuck that noise. And he just kills people. And the ending of, of the unrated cut is dark as fucking hell. And bloody. There's fucking apes piling bloody body, bloody corpses of humans, on, and, and all sorts of shit. Um, if you haven't seen this, you need to go pick up the conquest of the planet of the apes. You need to go pick up the legacy collection. It's fucking worth it. 20 bucks, Jesus fucking Christ. That's like a drop in the hat. That's that's a couch change. Um, you need to pick it up for this version of the film alone. It's extremely dark and extre- uh, it's unsettling. And it's the way the movie should have been. Be- if you were, you would sit and think about the chronology of these movies and how they went, it was a perfect ending to it. Because it, inevitably, you know, when you think about battle, you know, he kind of, he kind of turns coat and he's a little more optimistic. So, Maybe it's a little out of place, but I think I don't think so. I think it's a perfect ending for that movie. So Conquest of the Planet of the Apes is a very dark, dark movie that I always go back to and watch and inevitably always end up watching all five fucking movies again because the movies are basically a circle. Like you can you could start at any point and then you just want to keep going because at the end of battle is the start of Planet of the Apes. And then Planet Apes goes through. Oh, you are, I got to watch them all again. It's the same story. So anyway, that's number 13. We're almost there, folks. I'm starting to get fatigued. Oh, my God. We're almost at an hour. I can't believe I talked this long. It's probably the worst show of Astro Radio Z I've ever done. But Who gives a fuck? Anyways, number 14 is Frank Henenlotter's Basket Case. One of the greatest. I'm going to say this every fucking time. Basket Case is a movie when I was growing up was one of the early films that we were able to watch on VHS to the chagrin of my folks because they would inevitably and you've heard me say this before on other shows of other episodes of this show. They would send me in to get movies. And there was no restriction for the most part because they knew my parents were there. So they let me rent whatever I wanted to rent. Um, so I would sometimes I'd bring out movies like Basket Case. And from an early age, it was not a movie I probably should have watched. But I love Basket Case. It's a monster on the loose movie. Um, really cheeseballed special effects really hokey charm, uh, acting is is definitely not for the greatest, but I love it. Um, the story is unorthodox. It's all over the place. Um, it's just so straight. It's about a, if you haven't seen Basket Case, uh, it, it's essentially the story about the Siamese twins, uh, that had been separated and, uh, they're going to find, all of the doctors that separated them and kill them. Now the twist is one of the Siamese twins is only big enough to fit in a wicker basket. And the other one carries him around because if anyone were to see him, they would flip out because he's a monster. (laughs) He's a little squishy guy. Um, Belial, uh, one of the greatest characters in all of horror films. Uh, Frankie Hennenlauter's first movie is the, one of the quintessential goofy underground Z-grade Monster Mash movies. Go see it. If you like our movie Swamphead, Basket Case is the perfect through point. to where that came from Um, I can't say that for sure but I'll I'll, I'll tell you this there's a lot of similarities (laughs) I love Basket Case if you're a fan of of cheesy B monster movies Basket Case should be an essential it's really funny if you like trauma movies Basket Case right in line with them it's one of the best you need to see it now the last film on this list is, uh, not a movie I particularly like a lot, but it's a movie that, um, and it's probably a good way to end this is a, is a movie that will stick with me. And that I will revisit from time to time. And it, and it's something that, uh, kind of shaped me as a film viewer.
1: Within the span of a heartbeat, your world could stop. There is no way to predict when you will become one of them. For the first time in cinema history, the greatest fear of all mankind will be graphically exposed. Now, a motion picture dares to take you beyond the threshold of the living, where you may discover your own face of death this film will introduce you to a world where the bizarre is not uncommon and the normal seems out of place into a bloody world where violence creates an image not soon to be forgotten. Une if you have never thought about death, time you started thinking faces of death
2: now a major motion picture the original faces of death not a movie i particularly even enjoy but growing up was a movie was kind of like in the age of the vhs boom in the video stores uh there would be occasionally just films that would pop up on shelves you knew nothing about or films that were banned that all of a sudden would pop up and you would get and you from a parent's perspective probably shouldn't have been rented out to children (laughs) and i came across this movie faces of death one day after obviously reading magazines growing up for a long long time Uh, It was one of those kind of quintessential cornerstone movies for all gore hounds that, you know what, this is a band movie. This is a movie that's, you know, talked about in hushes, kind of like the burning moon. And um, I had to get it. It would play at uh, the Oakwood uh, Cinemas, Oakwood Mall Cinemas in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Uh, uh, Sometimes they would play some of the, the sequels at midnight on Fridays and Saturday nights. And I can never make them. I saw one, um, but faces of death was this movie that I didn't really let anyone know that I was watching. it. it. It's a pseudo documentary. It came out many years later that obviously the vast majority of everything other than the crime footage and, uh, some of the plane disaster stuff. Um, I think that might be part two. I may be mixing. So I, a lot of those movies kind of mix themselves up with me because uh, they're kind of all the same thing. But anyways, it's a pseudo uh, documentary about um, a scientist that's looking to find the, you know, the fascination in the many ways a person can die or that anything can die and wants to see the many faces of death and show them to the viewer. Um, the, <laughs> the narrator, the doctor, um, his voice in this is one of my favorite narrations in any film of all time. I love the the timbre of his voice. I think it, it suits the, the oppressively dark tone of the film. Um, and as a child, it creeped me out to no end. It scared me. Um, a lot of the movie has a lot of stock music, um, but it also has a lot of real drony humming. That is very unsettling to go with images of people eating monkey brains and um, people getting in accidents and being killed and all sorts of just ungodly stuff. I mean, just horrible, horrible stuff. Um, if you are you don't like animal cruelty, obviously, this is not a movie to watch. Um, if you don't like what are labeled as shockumentaries, which are like the Mon, Mondo Kane movies and... Um, Shocking Asia, the shocking series, uh, traces of death, which are literally a hundred percent real footage. Um, those films are just repulsive. I think honestly, it's hard for me to recommend this movie, but it's definitely a movie that, that has always stuck with me and that I will never forget. And it also kind of informs me and taps into a piece of my primal animal brain it reminds me that sometimes cinema should go places that people don't want it to go <laughs> because i uh, is it a necessary film no but it but it's definitely a film that that shaped me in a way that that made me want to and and, and maybe i can't explain it properly made me want to at times in films go there and go to those places that most people won't like. Um, because I think things need to be shaken up every now and then. And I think people need to be reminded that they, there are things to fear and um, make them think about it. But uh, Faces of Death scared me as a little kid. Well, not a little kid. I saw them probably when I was in high school. So it, it scared me at a time where uh, I was, you know, that brazen gore hound that could take anything. And uh, those films, <laughs> the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, oh, that was rough. I showed it to my brother and my brother watched it and he laughed the entire time because that's the way my brother is. And uh, we end up showing it to everyone. I, I end up and this is a true story. I end up uh, renting this and then renting uh, the Traces of Death movies. And I would bring them to study hall in high school and me and some friends would check out. Uh, AV room in the library at our high school and the AV rooms at the high school I was going to were fairly well secluded and nobody came in to check on you and we would sit and watch these movies in the AV room unbeknownst to any of the teachers the librarians or anything so I think this is one of those movies that when I was younger was the movie that everyone passed around and hushed about and it kind of got me into wanting to talk and show people movies. Hence, why you're listening to Astro Radio Z. So, Faces of Death, you can blame that fucking movie for why you're sitting here listening to me go on and on and on about movies every episode. So, Astro Radio Z equals Faces of Death is (laughs) my urge to want to show people things that maybe they shouldn't watch, but I feel that they should. Um, Because sometimes you need to get smacked in the face and reminded, not everything's hunky-dory, folks. There it is. The 15 films that stuck with me. Should I go down one more time for you? Let's go down the list. Number one was Martin. Number two was Evil Dead 1 and 2. Number three, Bloodsport. Four, Begotten. Five, Gremlins, Ghoulies. Number six, Friday the 13th Part 6. Number 7, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, not that piece of shit remake. Fuck that movie. Number 8, Pink Flamingos, Crybaby. Number 9, Rocky. Number 10, Dolomite. 11, Mulholland Drive. 12, The Kentucky Fried Movie slash UHF. Number 13, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Number 14, Basket Case. And number 15, Faces of Death. So hopefully that wasn't the worst thing that you've ever experienced in your life. It's good to be back to sit and talk to you guys once again. Um, Hopefully in the next month or so, uh, we'll be doing more episodes. I'm still wrapping up. All of the minutiae of Hole in the Wall to get it ready to present to you all so you can all sit and enjoy or try to enjoy <laughs> Hole in the Wall. Um, so if you don't hear another episode for a couple weeks or maybe even a month, You'll still get episodes of Film Jerks because we're still doing Film Jerks. So please stick around. We'll try to provide you guys some shows, Film Jerks or Stooge Cast or DNT. Uh, we'll still try and do those shows, but it may be a little bit before another episode of Astro Radio Z like this proper. And hopefully, the next episode, we have a bunch of them lined up um, that we'd like to do. <laughs> it's just a matter of my schedule of whether or not I can do them. So hopefully, stick around. I'll be back. I'll always be back, but it just may take a little time. So thank you for sticking around and listening to this hour-long episode of me rambling about movies that I love. You like Astro Radio Z? Please get a hold of us at Astro at gmail.com. Email me. Let me know if you like the show. You have any show ideas. If you'd like to come on the show, if you, you have any ideas for other shows, please get a hold of me. I'd love to talk to you always. Otherwise, go to the Facebook page. There's an Astro Radio Z Facebook page. There's a Twitter page Astro, at Astro Radio Z. Uh, there's a Tumblr page where you can find some of the episodes and just me posting pictures and blah, 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 whatever. Also, you can go to the website astroradioz.com where you can find all of the episodes, all of the uh, Film Jerks episodes, Stooge Cast episodes, uh, some podcasts that we enjoy, that that we're friends with, other uh, websites that I believe you should be interested in and go check out uh, because they support the show. And you can also leave me a voicemail. You can come on the show by just leaving me a voicemail. Go over there and uh, on the front page, there should be a little tab on the side that says send voicemail, click on it, record me something. I'll play it on the show. As long as you're not, you know, doing things you shouldn't be doing on, on the voicemail. So I'll play it on the show. So anyways, check all that stuff out. Get back to me. Thank you for listening. This has been Astro Radio Z. See ya.
1: I lose more.